Hey guys, welcome back to Friday Live. Matt Parker here. Um, I'm the director and founder. Don't have Tim with me today. I don't have um, Bruce with me today. It's just me. Um, but we're going to talk about something today that I've been preparing for to teach over at the Gates Community Church. We're going to touch on it a little bit today. Um, you can follow us over on YouTube. And uh, if you want to want to do that you can you can help us out over there um, if that's a better connection for you you can follow us here now I will say this I am a lone ranger today and so I'm running the stream and I'm doing all the the commentary etc cetera, etc cetera. so today we're gonna be talking about the parable of the sower so stay with us we'll be right back in just a couple of seconds to do that thanks for watching back hey we are going to be in matthew chapter 13 and so if you want to grab a bible i've got to do some of the technical stuff here as we get out and get to make sure people can see and i can share this to the places i'm supposed to to share it to gotcha all right glad you are with us again we're going to be let me jump on here so i can see um hey sean and heather as always guys i'm monitoring the uh the whatchamacallit the actual uh live stream here on my phone so if you're out there watching man comment uh like do all the things um but uh mainly comment and share this thing uh, we, we, we we're trying to, to build up our our viewership and things like that and so anytime you can share the podcast if you like it if you like what you see um share it with share it with your friends and uh you know tag them and the more you tag people i i hate manipulating the stinking algorithm but that's just the soup we're in i hope everybody's doing all right it is friday um man we just gotta have a holiday got lots going on um heading into christmas but uh we Tim and I have been doing some teaching over at the Gates Community Church and uh, helping do some leadership training and, and leadership camps. And we're we're turning a corner into taking some of the. If you guys listen to us very much, you know that we talk about kingdom vision all the time. That's kind of our shtick. That's kind of our thing, um, because we believe that it's key and important to. Um, how do I want to say it to. To look at things and situations and circumstances in the way that that God looks at them, and a lot of times in the the way that we do that and we show that is is to look at how God deals with people, how God deals with circumstances in the Scripture. Um, Tim says it all the time, and he's right. We tend to think that that Bible characters that they're just that they're just Bible characters that are stories put in there, kind of for us you know to, to have good warm fuzzies about but but really um these are real people and they're they're messed up just like us they're uh you know they're they've got problems just like us and so uh today we're going to be in matthew 13 i want to talk about 
you know, the parable of the sower. And really, we, we started to, to pick up this particular teaching in the context of, you know, of leadership and what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a shepherd, what it means to, to pastor, little p or big p. And by that, I mean you may hold an office of pastor, um, which is very scriptural in a church, or you may um, be assisting your, your senior pastor in terms of like maybe a small group leader, Sunday school teacher, or something like that, where, but you are actually helping to shepherd and helping to, to lead and to develop and disciple a part of the flock. And so as we jump in, in Matthew 13, what we see is a very familiar parable. Um, if you've been around church very long uh, at all, you've probably heard it. Uh, and we reference things like this even in our culture. It's been around long enough, and, and it's so familiar that people just reference you know, this parable in, in, in conversation. Uh, we reference it in, in things. But before we jump into the parable, I think it's important. I wanted to address... Um, I guess I'll call it a misnomer, kind of. Um, and maybe it's just an incomplete thought. Um, I've heard it said, I've heard it taught that, you know, Jesus taught in parables so that people could understand and will make, and and, and it will, it's explained something kind of like this, like, well, that's why pastors, you know, and preachers use analogies and that's why they use stories. You know, it, it's like Jesus teaching in parables so that people could understand. Um, but the only problem with that is, you know, according to the text, that's that's not exactly accurate. So, um, if you look in Matthew thirteen and verse ten, put my put my eyes on uh, the Bible says. So, well, the setup was, and I'll back up to this in a minute. He starts teaching. He's teaching this. He gives the parable uh, in verse one through like nine, but then after he gives the parable, the disciples in verse ten say you know, why are you speaking to them in parables? You know, they wanted to know, why are you using these stories like this? And and, I, and it's important, his answer. Um, he says, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whosoever has, more will be given. He's talking about an understanding of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about these things that he's teaching. He says, those that have, more will be given. And he says, and he uh, will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. And he's talking about the concept of seeing and understanding. Um, hello, Deborah Kelsey. Thanks for watching. Um, Y'all be sure to comment. And uh, uh, let us know you're out there. But he says uh, that it's going to be taken. But look at what he says in verse 13. That's why I speak to them in parables. So, so why does he speak to them in parables, according to this, this far? is because not everybody is supposed to understand. Look what he says. Because looking, they do not see. Hearing, they do not listen or understand. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. He says, you will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they do see, and your ears, because they do hear. 
For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things that you see, but they didn't see them. To hear the things that you hear, but they didn't hear them. So what does that have to do with our conversation? Um, first of all, Jesus taught in parables for those, um, or, or I should better say, so that those that what he was teaching was for would hear it. Okay? Um, in other words, he was speaking in this way because where the Holy Spirit was moving, they would get it. And where they weren't supposed to get it, they wouldn't. You know, you, you could almost summarize it like this, is that he taught in parables so that those for whom the message was not intended at that time wouldn't receive it. And I, I know that that's the old maybe controversial, maybe that freaks a little people out, you know, but, oh, but isn't God, you know, doing this or doing that? And, and yes, he's, he's, he is absolutely casting the net very broadly, inviting people in. However, um, he's specifically talking and answering the question, why are you teaching in parables? And the reason he, teach, he taught in parables, and, and we, we still teach them now, is it's because not everybody not everybody is going to receive it. Not everybody is meant to receive everything. Um, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and He's kind of allowing that to happen. And so I just say all that to say I want to kind of move away from this idea that He taught in parables so that everybody could understand. Like Because the idea behind saying that is, is He brought it down off the top shelf onto the bottom shelf so everybody could get it. That's not what's happening. Um, he's giving it to those that are soft. He's, he's giving it so those that are seeking will find. And those that are hardened and rebellious, he's teaching in parables so that they won't get it. Because he says if they did, he would, he would heal them. And that, in that, that context, that, that wasn't where they were headed. And so why does he teach in parables? So that those who are ready to get it will get it. That's why. And, but then he goes in and he says there at the end of that that uh, it's a blessing. He says, verse 16, Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. It's important to note that he says here, this is a blessing from God that you see. So let me, let me put it a different way. If you understand biblical kingdom truth, you see it. You look in the scriptures and it speaks to you and you see it in your life and it's working in your life. This text says that is a blessing from God that you can even see it. What we tend to do sometimes is think, well, I've studied hard and I'm pretty smart or, you know, whatever. I've been to the right church. I do blah, 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 fill in the blank. And therefore, I've, I've sought it out and I've got it. And he says, no, no, if you see this, if you're able to pass, uh, to move past the shadow, if you're able to see what, um, uh, what, what the truth of things is, then you're blessed and you're blessed by God. So let's look at the parable itself. Um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that so if you're having trouble struggling with understanding this, maybe it's not your time, maybe it's not for you at this point in time. Just chew on it, get it, let it let it uh, marinate. In the parable itself, uh, if you've been around church, you've heard the parable, I'm not necessarily going to break down because here's what happens, at least in my experience. Nine times out of ten when this parable is taught, it's taught from the perspective of the ground, okay? Uh, let's just read it. He says, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came 
and uh, other seed fell on the rocky ground. I'm not going word for word. I'm just going to kind of jump through and just, because most of us have heard this before. We've got seed that fell amongst the thorns, and we've got seed that fell on good ground. So basically, there's like four different types of ground. Um, and, you know, you got the path, the rocks, the thorns, and the good ground. Almost every time without exception. And I will even include myself in this. Early on in my ministry, I used to teach this um, from this perspective. Something along the lines of what kind of ground are you? You know, are you someone who's focused on the things of this world so Satan can snatch it away? Are you this? Are you that? And, and the focus of the teaching almost always, if you read the commentaries, it's, it's almost exclusively, um, you know, what kind of ground are you? And there's lots of conjecture about that. And then there's this encouragement and call to action of make sure you're the good ground. You know, if you're, and none of those admonitions are bad. Those are good admonitions to work towards holiness and work towards righteousness. But I want to take this and look at it in a little different way. And because there's lots of, you know, people want to, how do I want to say this? When you get to this, this teaching in Scripture, you know, you always want to dig in Scripture, and you, sometimes you have to look in the original language, what's he really saying here? Well, this one's an easy one. This is a, this is a hit out of the park easy one because he actually explains the, the parable himself. He goes down later in verse 18. In verse 18, he says, so listen to the parable of the sower. And he, be just, he explains it. He tells them what it means. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And then he says the one sown on the rocky ground is the one who hears the word and he receives it with joy. So they start off pretty good, but he has no root. He's a shallow, uh, immature Christian. Um, he has no root and is short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But then he says, the one sown on good ground, this is the one who has fruit and all that. So I don't know that there's any, you know, there's not, I, I'm not going to give you anything fantastic. Oh, I bet you never saw that that's what this ground meant. I'm not going to do that because he tells us what the grounds meant. But what I want to do is refocus on what the purpose of this parable is. We get stuck on the ground and wanting to make sure we're the right kind of ground. Now, I will say, once again, I said this a while ago, I think these are cautionary tales of maybe this is you. Maybe you're one of these kind if you're not seeing things. Because of the four, only one of them produced fruit. But what I want to present to you today is simply this, that this is not a call to action to make sure that you're the proper kind of ground. Not, not inherently and not on its surface. But what it is, is a description. Jesus is describing to his disciples here the four domains, if, it, if you were, of what happens and what the gospel responses are. When the gospel, when the seed is sown, something happens. There is a reaction, and he breaks them down into four categories. And it's almost like he's, he's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand what's happening in the kingdom. Remember, we're always talking about kingdom vision, and that's what we're headed for is I want to, to open up our eyes to see what is it that God's doing? What is God up to here? And I believe Jesus is teaching his disciples as the seed is sown, there are going to be certain responses, and here's what they're going to look like, 
and now you'll know what you're looking at. But I want to jump all the way back to the beginning of the chapter to help us refocus. Because like I said, anytime we get into this text or this teaching, we jump down to the ground, we jump down to the explanation, and we miss a key phrase. Go with me to chapter 13 and verse 3. He says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went to sow. You may think this is trite, but I'm telling you it's not trite. And it's actually just a fundamental part of our ministry. He doesn't say, consider the ground. Which kind of ground are you? That's not what he says. He says, I want you to consider the sower. I know somebody's out there going, oh, he's, he's, he's using allegory, metonymy, or something like that. He's using a part for the whole... No, he specifically says, consider the sower. Well, let's do what Jesus said to do, and let's consider the sower. He sowed. He went out to sow. So the first thing the sower did was he went out to sow. You'll notice that in this parable, in this story... He just did one thing. He had one job. There's an old, I believe it was Chevy used to say, do one thing and do it well. In this parable, the sower, whom Jesus says for us to consider which, or to think about or to look at or to break down, he says he did one thing. He sowed the seed. Okay? And then he says, but, so what's the seed that he's sowing? Go to verse 19. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom. So the seed is the word. We would call it the gospel, but, but it's bigger than the gospel. It's, it's the gospel story and its whole narrative. It's this understanding of the kingdom. It's how does the kingdom work. It's all of the teachings of the kingdom. Matthew 28, go and teach them all that I've commanded you and teach them to obey it, everything. So it's all of the message and the word that's the scripture, the Holy Spirit, all, all of these teachings about the kingdom. The sower is sowing them. So he tells us to consider the sower. And so what do we see and what do we find as we're considering the sower? We find that the sower is sowing. I'm not trying to be trite. But specifically, if you're, you're watching this and you're a leader, you're a pastor, a small group leader or something, I want to give you some freedom. And here's the truth that I want you to, to take away from today. You and I are in the sowing business. We're not necessarily in the tilling business. Something I want you to see about this, this, this sower. Um, again, looking at how the Father th sees things. Um, the sower went out to sow, and he started sowing the seed. Where was the sower's focus? Remember, he says, consider the sower. The sower's focus was on the scattering of the seed. What we don't see in this text is, to me, as impactful as some of the things we do see, because he's describing what's happening to his seed, and the seed is precious. It's the message of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, um, the scripture, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, the teachings of Christ, the teachings of Christianity, all of that, it, that's the seed. He's sowing the seed. It's precious, and some of it fell on stony ground. Some of it fell on the path. Some of it got scorched you know, and, and stolen. But what you don't see the sower doing is scrambling into those first three grounds, areas, circumstances, 
and trying to gather back his seed. Say, well, what, what's the significance of that? Think about that for a second, though. What do we do in our models of evangelism? We give the gospel, and so a lot of times we give this really tiny core of the gospel. We don't give the entire gospel narrative. We just have narrowed the gospel down to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's part of it, but the gospel is even bigger than that. It's about freedom, and it's about um, relationship with Jesus and transcending the things of this world, and it's bigger even than that. And so we, we think that, man, if they didn't get it, if somebody has it snatched away, or if they're worried about the things of this world and riches, um, or if they're just new and they're starting, they don't have any roots. But we're going to go out on the behalf of the seed, and we're going to try to rescue that seed. But remember, he says to consider the sower. So let's look at the sower. What does he do? He scatters. Again, I, I don't see in this text, in the language, and read it for yourself and challenge me if you want, and, and I'll receive it if I believe it's wrong, or if I believe I'm wrong. But the language in this text is an encouragement to consider what the sower is doing. And it's a description of what is happening in the world around us as we sow the seed, as we play the part of the sower. Maybe I could put it like this. Not everybody you give the gospel to is going to get saved. Not everybody to whom you call to repentance is going to do it. And you're going to be scratching your head going, now why is it that, you know, I've got, let's say i got 10 people sitting in a church service, they all hear the same gospel message, and some of them believe and receive, and some of them don't. And some of them seem to believe and receive, but then a year later they've petered out, and nobody can find them with radar. What, what, what is going on in the church? And we're, we want to say things like, well, the, the preacher didn't do it right, or the music wasn't right, and we start building all this stuff. But in the parable of the sower, what he's telling us is, is like, no, that's going to happen. Here's what it's going to look like. You're going to sow the seed, and some people are going to get it, some people aren't. And out of the ones that aren't going to get it, here's what, here's why. There's, there's these things going on in their world, in their heart, in their life. But the parable says, consider the sower. That's why I tell my pastor, David, every week I try to remember to text him Friday, Saturday, somewhere around in there, as he's preparing for his sermon, and, and encourage him. Are you ready to go? You prayed up? And I always encourage you with this, be faithful to the text. Why do I do that? Because this is the only thing we've got. Coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate us, according to John 17, and John says, we'll lead us in all truth. Um, but this is our seed. And his job on Sunday morning in that official capacity is to simply sow the seed. He cannot... Yea, it's not even His job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do with that seed what only the Holy Spirit can do. But what this parable is doing for us is describing why is it that sometimes when we sow seed, it's fruitful, and three-fourths of the time, it's not. Because there's all these situations happening in the heart of the hearer. Now, can we encourage those people to become better ground? Sure we can, but you can't push a, a wet noodle. We can appeal to the Holy Spirit of God to do what He does, which is the Holy Spirit is the tiller of the ground. And often He'll use hardship and trial, and, and sometimes he'll, he'll do things like run us through the, the cheese grater. He'll put our face into the wood chipper to get our ground tilled up 
And then so that when the sower of the seed does come by, we're ready for it. And we want to think that God's not blessing us sometimes when he's crushing us. But what's really happening is when he's crushing us is he's getting us ready so that when the sower sows the seed, it lands on the ground that's ready to receive it. Man, that's good stuff. Not because it's coming from me, but because the word's telling you, dear leader, uh, because uh, uh, the, the guy who's out there sowing, I want to free you from this taskmaster that our culture has given you, that you are responsible for everybody receiving every seed you've ever sown. But that's not what this text says. He's describing to you a situation, if you wanted to break it down mathematically, that the sower of the seeds of the kingdom is successful by the world standards only 25% of the time. Did you see that? Three-fourths, 75% of the recipients of the seed of this sower did not receive it or received it shortly. It burned out. The Satan got it, blah, blah, blah. Only 25% of the time, according, and that's not a hard, fast statistic. I'm just saying in this text, that's the way he's, that's the way he's breaking it down. Here's what I want to share with you. I want to release you, pastor, teacher, leader, from the responsibility of closing the deal. Consider the sower, he says. And what's the sower doing? The sower is sowing seed. That's it. You're a seed sower. Now, does the pastor, teacher, elder take on sometimes this, by the Holy Spirit's power and direction, this cultivating a, a role of, of helping people to come into the kingdom and to have their, their ground ready. Absolutely, he does. But if we will not yield our hearts to what the Spirit is doing, Tim says it all the time like this, there's one thing that the Holy Spirit of God, that God the Father will leave us to, and that is He will leave us to ourselves if we so choose. He will let us be rocky ground, stony ground, pathy ground. He'll let us do that if we want. But when we come to Him in repentance and we start asking Him to do a work in us over and over again, asking Him to rip out roots of bitterness, asking Him to rip out sin and grant us repentance for sin, then that's the Holy Spirit doing the work in us to get it ready, to get the ground ready, so that when the sower, whether it be the pastor at the front or whether it be the person across the table at lunch or whether it be the Word when you open it, when that seed of the kingdom hits you, you're ready to receive it. And only then, only then, if you'll notice, can you produce fruit? I, I, I want to look at, if you look at in the explanation, go over, oh, uh, which verse is it? Um, verse 20. The one sown on the rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, but has no root and is short-lived. Because when distress and persecution come because of the word, immediately he falls away. You know, Paul told Timothy when he was choosing elders, he said, don't lay hands on someone too quickly. D don't, don't bring them into that, into that inner room too quickly because they're not ready yet. I think a lot of times that we put a burden on people, we want to get them in too quickly. Um, and they, we, one, two, three, four, you know, say, one, two, three, say this little thing and you're in and, and that's kind of it. We, we have a culture that creates stony ground Christians. They profess, they, 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 they receive it, oh, and they're singing all the songs, and then 
you know, six months goes by and it gets hard and you can't find them with radar. Why? Because they didn't have any roots. This is a lifestyle. This is not a decision. Let me rephrase that. This is not only a decision, right? This is a lifestyle that Jesus is calling us into, okay? This is something that, that, that Jesus is calling us to do to lay down everything. He tells us to count the cost of the barn before you build it. Um, I've spent more time trying to talk people out of being saved as I'm counseling with them. And people are like, why would you do that? Because our culture has built this thing where we think it's just a box we have to check. That's not what happens. That's not in here. Jesus says, come follow me. Pick up your cross, which means pick up your agent of self-sacrificial death and follow me. So consider the sower. Mom, dad, your kids may not live out what you teach them. I'm going to let that sink in a second. Dear mom, dear dad, your, your children may not live out what you teach them. Be, be a faithful sower. Be a good example. Put the kindling around their hearts that the Holy Spirit can light it. Give them every tool and opportunity. Make way for them to have the plow. And I will say this, we, we, we raise our kids in such a way, oftentimes we want to make them avoid all suffering and hurt in a lot of ways, um, and I think that that's detrimental to them. It's good for little children to fall down and skin their knee from time to time when they're learning to walk. It's helpful to them. I said something to a lady one time. I said, I want my children to have hardship. I want my children to struggle. She's like, oh, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I said, no, because if they don't learn to struggle while they're with me, when they do struggle out there when they're on their own, they won't know how to deal with it. I want them to struggle while I can be here to help them, to help them cultivate that ground. And I'll, I'll leave this with you. He says at the end, verse 23, but the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word. Okay? You understand. Go back to the beginning. Why are you doing these parables? Or not the beginning, the middle. Why are you doing these parables? I'm doing these parables because I want the people for whom the message is sent to get it. And the people for whom the message is not sent, they're not going to get it. That's why I teach it this way. Because they're not going to get it. They need the Holy Spirit to do this. Dear pastor, dear teacher, dear small group leader, dear parent, quit beating yourself up because 100% of your people aren't producing fruit. Look at it again. The only ones that are producing fruit are the ones who hear and understand. And the only ones who hear and understand, Jesus said it all the time, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That means if you don't have the ears to hear, you're not going to get it. Pastor, when you cast your seed on the Sunday morning of the Word of God every Sunday morning or your small group or your Sunday school class, not everybody's going to get it, and that's okay, and that's not your fault. Be faithful to the text. Not everybody is going to produce fruit. So how do I identify the good ground? How do I know who the good ground is? They're the ones producing fruit. They're the ones. So how, how can one know? He tells you. Where there's fruit, there's understanding, and there's hearing. So what do I do about these other three? I don't know. It's where you pray for them, you spend time with them, and you try to cultivate them. But remember, you're not the Holy Spirit. 
you push their face into his face. You get them in the room with him, and you let him do whatever he's going to do to them. Good, bad, ugly, hard, whatever. Whatever he used, they're yours, Lord. Make them see. Just like Elijah with Gehazi. Elijah with Gehazi. He said, let the scales come off his eyes so he can see. That's what we do for grounds one, two, and three. We pray that they would be good ground, and we do all that we can do to, to develop that. We do all we can do to model that, but ultimately consider the sower. Just keep sowing the seed. They may not get it. Your kids may not live out what you've taught them. It doesn't mean you're a crappy parent. Maybe you are, but that doesn't mean it. Even in our own home, I have seven children, and they walk with the Lord in varying degrees. Some of them that all have the same teaching walk with the Lord in varying degrees. Do I hold responsibility for that? Maybe in some degree, but ultimately, they're grown. They're making decisions. They're either going to follow or not, or they're going to follow completely or follow partially. It's between them and the Lord, but they know they've been taught. The seed has been sown. My encouragement to you out of this parable, like I said when we started, nine times out of ten, you read commentaries, you hear it taught, it's make sure you're the right ground, make sure you're the right ground. And I'm not even saying that's bad admonition. I mean, search your heart. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do that. But I want to encourage you to consider the sower. That's what he says. Consider the sower. If you're out there just being faithful and you're casting seed and you're faithful to this text and you're faithful to his love and you're faithful to his ministry, then you let him deal with the results. But I'll guarantee you this, when you find that fruitful one and you see that fruit growing, that's where the gardener really needs to pay attention. When that fruit's coming, it's got to be pruned, it's got to be harvested, and that ground's got to be maintained. Stop wearing yourself out because every seed that you sow doesn't grow and produce fruit. The sower in this text wasn't overtly concerned about it. He just kept sowing because there's power in the seed. What you've been commanded to do, what I've been commanded to do is Matthew 28, go into all the world and teach them to observe all things, to do it. Just teach them, spread the seed, and you'll get varying results, and that's okay. I love you guys. I'm glad y'all were with us today. Hey, Miss Betty Wilcox, hadn't seen you forever. James, uh, Apostle Coleman, I'm glad y'all watched with us today. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, if you got something from it today, share it with somebody. Like it, do those kind of things. Help us just share the gospel. And again, consider the sower. Be faithful to the text and let the Holy Spirit deal with the results. I love you guys. We'll talk to you. See you next time. Bye-bye.